morning. I'm Dave Sherwood. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. Brand new series, Why Are You? It'll make more and more sense as we clip along with it. A couple of things is, one is that we are going to go through this series, and week by week, we're kind of going to basically build something. So if at all possible, if you could be here kind of all four weeks in a row so that we can kind of build this thing together, that would be fantastic. If not, there's always checking out things online. Speaking of online, if you have one of those smartphones, what you can do is you can download an app called Version. It's got lots of different versions of the Bible in it. But the other thing you can do is you can go to a section in there called Events, and you can actually see some of the slides from Cornerstone for the services that we have on Sunday mornings. So with all of that in mind, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray here in just a second. What am I going to pray for? I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for me. That we connect to God. Now, that may sound real Captain Obvious, but I would say throughout this series, come out of maybe the autopilot of being at church and try to really be connected to God. Let me pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. And Father, we can be all over the map about our lives. But only you know who we really are. Only you, Father, know why we were made, how we were made, what our life's meaning is. And Father, we're all over the map, and we ask that you'd help us to focus, to focus on you, and to listen for you to speak back to us who we are and why we are. We pray these things in the name of Jesus the Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Okay, so um, one of the deals with me is I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and so I um, wasn't raised thinking about God stuff. But coming into age kind of 14, 15, everything in my life was unraveling. My uh, parents, my family system, all of it was getting shredded. Uh, Me and some friends kind of went sideways with each other. That was being shredded. And so I'm starting to poke around philosophy and, you know, all kinds of different religions, trying to figure out what, you know, what, what's going on? What, what kind of story am I in? What does life mean? I'll never forget, I read one day from one philosopher, he wrote this. He said that man is an empty bubble on a sea of nothingness. You have no significance. You're just an animal, a mammal. There's no story. It's just chaos and pain. And I remember walking away reading, reading that little quote going, is that, what I, is that what I think is going on? I had plenty of reason to think that that was what was going on. There's plenty of chaos and pain and meaninglessness and nothingness going on. But then I also started poking around God's Word. I started reading my Bible. And all of a sudden I start seeing these things that we are made in God's image. I'm not nothing. I'm actually made kind of as a reflection of, of who God is. And, and then he says things like, we are his children. We're adopted into his family. And you start realizing that, that, that there's a story going on. There's purpose, there's meaning, there's significance, that all these things are possible. And I'm I'm wanting all of that to be true, but I'm also standing in the midst of just chaos and pain, and I'm I'm trying to to figure out why am I? Who am I? What's 
the big picture. Now, I would ask you to consider that this is the sort of question that you, you can't ask once a day. It's too big. You, you don't even ask it necessarily once a year. But I'd say about once every 10 years, you might pull back and you might say, who am I? Why am I? It says this in Acts 13, 36. Talking about a guy named David who becomes king of Israel way back in the Old Testament. And talking about this David guy, it says this is, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep, he, he died, and he was laid amongst his fathers. Now things get interesting with this verse. Let me tell you why. The, the big question becomes, do we all have a purpose? For our lives. Or is it just guys like King David? You know, David has a purpose, and Moses has a purpose, Abraham has a purpose. All, you know, there's these big names in Scripture. They have purpose, but not, but not me. But here's, again, where I want you to start to notice that things are interesting. God doesn't go around when you look throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and look for superstars, people that came from money, people that are super impressive, have IQs, all that good stuff. He actually looks for nobodies. Or people that consider themselves nobodies. Because he gets pushback from every single person that he is going to use. In David's case, David's just a shepherd boy. I'm just, I'm just a shepherd boy. I'm... And he becomes king. Now, again, you might be thinking, well, are you saying, you know, it, there's some life purpose for me to become king? No, no, no. There's life purpose for you for whatever significance God has for why he did design you. And that's what we want to find. As I'm, like I said, 14, 15 years old, I'm starting to step into this idea that maybe Jesus, maybe God made me for a reason. And I looked around at some of the adults and I was like, I don't know if they're living according to any purpose that God has for them. They're just chasing money, or they're chasing an education, or they're chasing having the new Volvo in the neighborhood, or the best lawn, or they're chasing vacations, they're chasing ego, and they're chasing all sorts of things. And as a, a young person that was considering Christianity, I'm looking at some of these older people, and I'm going, are you asleep? Not, not, not do you believe in God or not. Like, are you asleep to why God made you? Because if you're awake to why God made you, life is vibrant and alive and awake. And if we're comatose to why God made us, we get distracted by the darkness in this world and the distractions of this world. And they whisper in our ear. And we start to just cave into watching Netflix all day and TikTok and criticizing everybody on the planet and posting the, our fixes for the world on Facebook and all kinds of other nonsense. You're about to watch a film clip here in just a second. And in this film clip, there's a king, like King David. But he's forgotten what it's like to be king. And he's had a lot of darkness whispered to him. It's kind of demonized, actually. And then there's this other guy that's going to come in and he's going to kind of con confront him and try to wake him up. 
And this, again, happens all the time in Scripture. In Scripture, what happens is there'll be some prophet that comes to Israel and says, Israel, wake up. You're, you're meant for more than this. And in the New Testament, again, these, these early Christians saying, would you stop just chasing money and, and fame and this, that? Would you wake up? Because God has something really significant for you. Because at the end of it all, what are people going to say about you when you're laid with your fathers? Maybe. They're going to go, wow, look at the SAT scores. Wow, look at the cool TikTok videos. Wow, he binge flicked next week. Did you see his high score in Fortnite? Maybe, but maybe you could fulfill God's purpose for your generation. And maybe every single person when you're laid to rest would say, you know what, I learned this about who God is from them. And you'll notice that's a very different way of living life. Which way are you going to live life? Watch this clip. Watch a king come back to life. somewhat lessened of late. Theoden King. He's not welcome. Why should I welcome you, Gandalf Stormcrow? A just question, my liege. Late is the hour in which this conjurer chooses to appear. Last spell I named him. Ill news is an ill guest. Be silent. Give your full tongue behind your teeth. I have not passed so far in death to bandy crooked words with a witless worm. Stop. I told you to take the wizard. Stop! Kill him. 
Breathe the free air again, my friend. Dark have been my dreams of late. Fingers would remember their own strength better if they grasped your soul. There's a lot going on. It's this old king, right? And you might be thinking, you know what, you know, I, I'm not that age. Dude, I was that age at 15. What do you mean? I was full of bitterness and cynicism, and I had something sarcastic and dark to say about everything on the planet. And then the gospel came. This Jesus story came. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing different things, and I start to come to life. Because here's the trick about the way darkness works. See, darkness just lies to you and says, you know what? You're not significant. You are an empty bubble in a sea of nothingness. You, sh you, you don't matter. You're a nobody. You don't deserve to be loved. You're never going to make a difference in anybody's life. The whole nine yards, that's what the darkness And the darkness says it long enough until you start to say it to yourself. And then you collapse into your little throne... And you go gray and dark. And then all of a sudden, there's a word from God's word. There's a prophet. There's a moment. There's something that starts to break you loose. But notice there's a little bit of a fight for you to get back in the game, for you to wake back up to who you are. Interestingly, Gandalf says something curious. He, he says, you know, breathe the free air again. Because what does Christianity want to do? Make you free, free indeed, set you free, set the chains free, all that. Breathe the fair air again. But then he says, you know what? You're going to feel like yourself again if you grab your sword 
And that's going to be significant for what we talk about here in a minute. Because your sword is in many ways your point of impact. I want the sword to kind of represent an idea. What is your life purpose? In a king's case, it's to protect his people. But there's all kinds of other life purposes out there. Some life purposes about mercy or teaching or generosity. And the lists go on and on and on. And are you actively involved in the youth and the strength of what God wants you to do with your life? Or are you sitting on a throne going dark? In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we would walk in them. We talked about this briefly last week. But this workmanship, God has crafted something utterly unique in you. What do I mean by that? If you'll notice, there's nobody else quite like you on the planet. You are one of a kind. And more than that, you're created in Jesus for good works that God has prepared. So not only are you one of a kind, but what you can accomplish, what God has for you to accomplish is one of a kind as well. It's not if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. No, 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 no. You are unbelievably strategic and significant. This word workmanship in describing who we are, in some translations of the Bible, it's translated masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. It comes from a word, poema, which we get poem from. The idea that God has made an epic poem when he made you. An epic, heroic poem. A one-of-a-kind poem. And again, you can easily think, I know I would have thought with my cynicism, oh, you're talking about important people. Your Bible is full of the widow's might. And is full of a kid brings two fishes and two loaves. And you start to realize it's not about people having titles and crowns and all that good stuff. It's, it, it, God has these incredible stories for everybody if they'll be up and online. The quote that I have for you here says this. It says, every person born into this world represents something new. Something that never existed before and never will again. Each is a designed masterpiece of potential longing to be realized. The idea basically is that who God made you to be wants to be unleashed. It wants to be awakened. And man, there's a lot of darkness trying to trap you to do something else with your life. Which way are you going to go? In fact, I want to read this to you, kind of doing that Gandalf the Grey thing. I want to, I want to speak something to you. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to I want you to shut your eyes for a minute. Just shut your eyes for a minute. And listen to what I say while your eyes are shut. You represent something new. Something that never existed before. And never will again. You are a designed masterpiece of potential, longing to be realized. You can open your eyes. What if? What if that's true? 
You know, just thinking about it, just saying it out loud makes me want to go back into my little hobby hole, my little hobbit hole of comfort, of cynicism. I don't want to believe that, but I do want to believe that. It's like, it's, it's all my hopes and dreams, but I'm also terrified of it. What would happen if you were actually unleashed this way, to be your true self, to be why God made you? In order for this to happen, a, a couple of things need to happen. So one thing is I want you to start to be thinking about how are you gifted? How are you gifted? I've got a picture up there. It's a picture of a labyrinth is behind everything. It's not a maze. Maze just gets you trapped and frustrated. Okay, that's like doing your taxes online. Okay, what a, what a labyrinth is, is it's something else. It's, it's designed for you to ask four questions. Okay, there's four sections. And you, while you're asking four questions, you go through this labyrinth and you kind of go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then you go into another section, you ask another question, you go back and forth. It's, it's something that's designed on purpose to slow you down, to get you to pray, and to get you to think. And we just want to Google up an answer, okay? If you go, after church today, if you Google God, what's my life purpose? You're probably not going to get your answer. You're going to have to put in some time in prayer. But the first week, because we talked about four weeks, the first week, this is the first question. How are you gifted? What is unique about how you are? It says something fascinating in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1.5 says this. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Stop and think about that. We'll get back to that in just a second. But before I formed you, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Fancy religious word. I'll explain in a second. And I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, what's going on here? One is, I used to think, well, you know, babies just happen because mommy and daddy cuddle, right? And um, then, you know, maybe, maybe I guess my soul shows up or something. I become a person. That's not what this verse says. This verse says, before you were formed, I already knew you. How long has God known you? God has known you before you existed. That's how intimate he is. That's how much he's bringing to the table about what your purpose is. Uh, secondly, it's, it does say that he, he formed you. He made you. He made you, we'll talk about, for, for something. But he made you specifically. And when we become a Christian, it says that we become a new creature. And there's even more formation that happens from that point forward. Now, I can figure out some of my life purpose by realizing how God formed me. Do you think I can dunk a basketball? Just say yes. Yeah, it's never going to happen. I mean, unless I get a mini tramp. And then I would probably just hurt myself. I'm not going to be a professional athlete. If you ever are courageous enough to be in the front row and hear me singing. Pfft, stop that laughing, Pam. There... There are things I'm not formed for. The big question becomes, what am I formed for? Again, going through this verse, if God's forming something, if he knows who I am, I consecrated you. What does consecrated mean? It means to set something apart for a purpose. 
It's like taking money in your savings, you know, putting it in your savings account. It's for a purpose. It's for college. It's for a 1966 Mustang Shelby with a 501. Anyways, <laughs> or a wedding dress, or, and the list just goes on and on and on. Setting something up. Why? Because this thing's significant. This thing's really meaningful. This is, I, 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 I've designated, I've consecrated something because this is really important. And what's God saying to Jeremiah? He's saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I have set you apart for something really important. What is it? Well, it's answered. The thing that I've set you apart is I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah has a very specific appointment. Now, here's where things get tricky. Make the hard left turn. Is this all just about Jeremiah? Is that what's going on here in the Bible? Or is this a template for the way God views every single one of us? Are there some people that God didn't know and didn't form, didn't consecrate, didn't appoint? Are there some people that are just junk? They're just filler. There's nothing in the Word of God that would lead you to believe that anywhere. You are made in God's image. He knew you before you were even formed. He formed you on purpose, and is continuing to form you all through the years. And guess what? He wants to set you apart and appoint you to make a difference in this world. And one of the big choices that everybody has to make is, sure, you can make the choice to show up at church. Sure, you can make the choice to sing the song. Sure, you can make the choice to throw a couple of bucks in the offering thing. Is that really what this is all about? Not even remotely. It's about you stepping into what you were consecrated and appointed for. Again, I want you to notice these four things. One, you were known. I mean, in fact, Scripture says every single hair on your head is counted. Here's my point. My point is God knows you better than you know yourself. You're trying to come up on, on your own. What's my life purpose? I'm, not, I'm suggesting that's not the greatest idea. Ask God, because he's the one that made you, formed you, consecrated you, appointed you. Ask God, because he knows you. Secondly, you are formed. Explore and investigate how you're designed. Go online, take all those tests. Take a spiritual gifts inventory. Take a a resiliency test. Take an emotional intelligence test, a strength test. What's my point? My point is, do everything that you can to kind of explore the idea of who am I? How did God Make me. Read scripture. See how God uses that to point you in a direction. Consecrated, intentionally dedicated, like we've talked about. What might God be intentionally dedicating you towards? What might your appointment be designated to a specific role and task? And you might be thinking at this point in time, Dave, I don't know if I believe that God really has this really super specific thing to do. I'm glad. Let's go to the next verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. This is a section about spiritual gifts. We'll be talking about this a little bit today. And what's the idea? Well, the idea is that God has entrusted a gifting to you 
It's an extension of who he is. What do I mean by that? Well, Paul says another place, he says, the church, any given church, is the body of Christ. And then he goes on and explains that some of you are like the hand, and some of you are like the foot, and some of you are like the neck. And, and you know, the hand still needs the foot and the neck, and all these parts matter, but they all uniquely express something. What do they uniquely express? They uniquely express something about who God is. So that when we step out into the world, it may be some of you are expressing God's grace to the world. Some his mercy, some his generosity, some his hope, some teaching, some all sorts of things. What might be your unique gifting? I don't know about you, but again, going back to being on that throne and being, you know, 15 years old and being really cynical, my spiritual gifts were cynicism, sarcasm, and negativity. I was a machine, dude. Cranking those things out. None of those reflected who God was. And then all of a sudden, God comes into my life and things start to shift and change. Again, I want you to notice in Scripture, nobody thinks that this can happen to them. Uh, Jeremiah basically goes to God when God says, I've got this appointment, I've got this consecration, I've got this really important thing for you to do, Jeremiah. Jeremiah goes, I am too young, there is no way. So God goes to Sarah, who's, a, she's in the Platinum Club, she's a little bit older. And Sarah says, I'm too old, there's no way in the world. And then God comes to somebody like Moses, and Moses says, you can't use me. I, I, I don't know how to talk. I, I stutter. I, 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 my lips don't work right. Peter basically says to Moses, hold my beer. I'm a man of unclean lips. Everybody says, there's no way. But if David fulfilled his purpose for his generation, don't you think that God has a purpose for you, for your generation? And there's no way it's going to get accomplished by one person. I mean, the whole point of the Jesus thing is Jesus comes and does all these incredible things. We're like, man, I'd follow that. That's awesome. And then he leaves, and we're like, oh, I guess the whole thing's going to die and just go away. It was just a cool idea, and it's Camelot. But, but no, no, no. What happens after that is all of his people are given the, these giftedness and these consecrations and these appointments and all of a sudden there's some people stepping into the moment teaching there's some people stepping into the moment offering hospitality some people offering mercy some people offering generosity and who Jesus is is being expressed by all these different people and it sweeps over the Roman Empire and they're throwing us into a wood chipper as fast as we are becoming Christians back then they're killing us they're slaughtering us and the world looks over and goes, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. No TikTok video, no Netflix, there's nothing out there, no Oculus Rift, there's nothing compared to what I see with those people. Those people are online with God. Those people are online with each other. Those people are making a difference in the world. I want me some of that because I don't want to sit on the dark throne anymore. Each person, something to do that shows who God is. Everybody gets on on. Everybody benefits. It goes on in this 1 Corinthians passage, 12, 7 through 11. It says, the variety is wonderful. And then it has a partial list. 
Because you'll notice at the bottom here, there's other places where it lists spiritual gifts. And sometimes there's a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. But the big idea seems to be this is not exhaustive. We talked about last week, there's this one guy who was given this gift from the Holy Spirit. And he was just a really good craftsman. His name was Bazel. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust. Some people are really good at healing the sick. Whether that's miraculous or as a nurse, I have no idea. Miraculous acts, proclamation, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, distinguishing between spirits, administration, encouragement, generosity, helping, leadership. The list goes on and on and on in Scripture. The only question is, have you found yours? Have you grabbed the sword? Are you making a difference in the world with it yet? And this is, you know, fork in the road as a preacher. Okay, some people consider, oh, you're making me feel guilty for not doing enough. I'm not trying to make you guilty about anything. I'm trying to bring you to life. Please hear me. I'm trying to awaken who you can become. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 continues, and it says this. All these gifts have a common origin. They all come from God, but they're handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. So what's going on? Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit is giving you gifts. And here's where things kind of get interesting. It says in Scripture to pray for the greater gifts. What does that mean? It means that you may get a gift, you may have a gift, but you may get more as time goes by. You may be having fun with mercy and extending God's mercy into all kinds of circumstances, but then as you clip along through the years, maybe God will give you a teaching gift or maybe God will give you a generosity gift. What does that mean? Again, you look at one of two ways. It either means more responsibility or it means more adventures and fun. My wife has a gift of compassion. My wife has a gift of showing people mercy. And what does that mean? It means that she gets to step into moments where people want to throw rocks at somebody, where somebody's feeling torn down and destroyed. She gets to step in and basically say, God still loves you. God's heard your cries. God's compassion is with you. I've grown more mature in grace and mercy, but it flows out of her naturally. But I don't get to always participate in the same adventures as her because I'm not gifted the exact same way as her. But I get to teach. And it's funny because I don't consider myself a good teacher. I consider myself so stupid that I have to learn things really well. And that after you have to learn things really well, well, then you can teach it. Does that make sense at all? Okay. I'm the guy that, you know, watches a YouTube video about changing an oil thing in a car. I have to watch it like 80 times or so. And then call the comps anyways. <laughs> All these gifts, common origin, handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. And I long to see you operate in your giftedness for your sake for our sake as a community, for the extension of God's kingdom out into the world. That's your true self. That's your awakened self. That's your having fun self. So this week, I'm going to ask you to do something. 
I'm going to ask you, because at the end of this series, we're going to have that little leadership seminar thing. We're going to draw everything together. But this week, start to ask God, who am I? Why did you make me? Poke around online with some spiritual gifts inventories or some personality tests or love language or Enneagram or strengths inventories, emotional intelligence, you name it. Just find out more about who you are. Ask God to show you more about who you are. I remember clipping along in Scripture. I, I, no, I have nothing in common with Peter other than being an idiot. I, I have that in common. I have nothing in common with Paul. But when I read the book of Jeremiah, I'm like, dude, that's my brother from another mother. That guy I get. And then I started reading how he interacts with people, and I start to see how God has him use, used to transform things. And I start to follow in his footsteps because it makes sense to me. Now, I want to understand how Ruth operates. I want to understand how Esther operates. But being in the Word of God and kind of finding somebody to hang out with as a mentor, as an older brother or older sister, that helped me tremendously to know who I am. And then I took some spiritual gifts inventories. It was the funniest thing to me. I took them, and I took them when I was relatively young. I'm like 19 years old, and it says, it says wisdom, and it says knowledge. And I'm like, this, <laughs> I got the busted test. Scantron did not register. The funny thing is, I've grown into those. Was it the placebo effect? I don't know, maybe. I don't think so. I think that God was starting to invest those in me so that I could invest it in others. My final point basically is this. You have no idea how strategic you are. A lot of you are, are, are if you've ever seen the Lord of the Rings, there's Frodo, there's this guy, he's just a guy. He's just in his hobbit hole, just minding his own business. And then all of a sudden he's tapped for this adventure. God wants to tap you for an adventure. Will your name become famous? You'll be famous to God the more you obey and follow the adventures that he has for you. doesn't matter if your name is written in a book someday. It matters that your name is written into reality by the way we live our lives. You matter. Nobody else can fulfill the purpose that you have for your generation. Ask God to awaken and show you how. Let me pray. Father God, we come to you, Father, and candidly, Father, there's plenty of the time where we just go, we're nobody. We're, we're filler, God. We're background noise. We're an extra on the set. And yet, Father, your word says that there are no extras on your set. That you have something significant to do with a shepherd boy, with a widow, with a mom, with a guy on the backside of a desert. Father God, would you show us? Show us why you made us, what you made us for. Bring us back to life, God, again and again. In the powerful name of Jesus the Christ, now God's people said...